welcome to the Heavy on Women of Color podcast. I promised that we would tackle all the things on this podcast, and I meant it. Today's topic can be a bit taboo, but extremely necessary. So today's topic title is Who Said That? The iconic words yelled out by Miss Portia Williams. Uh, I remember this episode, like I say, every podcast episode. If you have not watched The Real Housewives of Atlanta, go back and watch it. it it's, in my opinion, the best season. I think the shock and confusion and Portia's voice are what made this phrase stick with so many people. It was like a collective who said that around the room and her and Candy were like saying it back to each other. But that uh, feeling that of sense of, you know, that feeling of shock, confusion, that's perfect for today's topic, um, when the culture is co-opted, so, or stolen. Yes, stolen. It's really no secret that the Black community has its own language. In fact, thanks to the Googles, there is actually a Webster Dictionary-defined term for it. African American Vernacular English, or AAVE, is defined as a dialect of American English characterized by pronunciations, syntactic structures, and vocabulary associated with and used by some North American Black people in exhibiting a wide variety and range of forms varying in the extent to which they differ from standard American English. Basically, uh, we have a very distinct way that we speak and it's finally being recognized as a legitimate version or a legitimate way to speak and not just Ebonics, which was what, when I was growing up, that's what the uh, term was for it and it always had such a negative connotation. Today, I brought my besties, Kim DuBose of Curated by Kim Weddings and Events and Deshona Lamar of Deshona Chanel Designs on the show to discuss how we're dealing with the backlash that we've received as Black women speaking in a way authentic to who we are and the culture in which we were raised in, while watching that same way of speaking and expressing oneself being co-opted by our white counterparts in the industry and the celebration that ensues when they do so. Because when they understand the assignment, it's cute. But when we understand the assignment, it's ghetto. All right, so let's get into it. Mic on, volume up. Lauren O'Brien, creator, wedding planner, conversation sparker, and of course, reality TV expert. I hope you all are living your best lives and are ready to dig into today's topic, who said that, dealing with the culture being co-opted. This is a real everyday struggle for so many Black creatives. We struggle with showing up as our authentic selves online and in person. We fear the labels of loud, ghetto, or even uneducated, which is a word that's been thrown around before um, I've seen online and just to describe different 
uh, ways that people express themselves. My, I think the best reference for that is probably Cardi B. Uh, I know for sure that my first website was as vanilla as it could be because I was so afraid to use words and phrases authentic to who I am in fear of being labeled all the things um, I just said, ghetto, uneducated, unhirable, especially, you know, trying to launch a business in the um, very buttoned up state of Connecticut. <laughs> Um, however, over the last years, I'd say probably the last 10 years, it's become more and more common for many of our white counterparts in the creative world to openly express themselves using these same phrases and then, you know, be celebrated. So that's why I've got Kim and Deshona on here today. We're here to unpack and keep it real. Welcome to the show, Kim and Deshona. Hey, hey thank you for having hey. us. We're going to use all of the terms. All hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> hey, sis. <laughs> I know that, right? Sis, sis is a hot button one because I've definitely been called sis by, you know, some of my white counterparts. And it's like, okay, sis, I, I, that was a term, you know, of endearment between us. So it's a little weird. But first of all, let's, let's just talk about why this particular topic is such a hot button issue. Um, I know language isn't off limits to anyone. We don't own language, period. But what about this topic has us here today? Kim, I'm going to start with you because just yesterday you received feedback on the language you used on your website. Uh, Kim has a gorgeous new website, y'all. Go ahead and check that out. We will drop all her information at the end of the episode, um, but it's beautiful. But what about this topic has us here today? You know, uh, Kim, I'm going to start with you because I know... Just yesterday, you received some feedback on the language you use on your website. And Kim has a gorgeous new website, y'all. It's, it's beautiful. We'll drop all her info at the end of the show. Go show her some love. Um, so I know that this is something at the forefront of your mind. So Kim, how has the language you use affected you in this business? Thank you so much for shouting out my website. It was a group effort. All of the ladies, both of the ladies on the call definitely dug their heels in on that one. But this is definitely like a hot button issue in our group chat. We see it everywhere from, you know, Kim Kardashian and the pop culture and the braids child and amongst wedding creatives, wedding planners, photographers, all of the things, and just creatives in general, and just talking to us using our vernacular. And it's a, it's a bit off-putting most of the time, but it really rubs me the wrong way because when I started out on my own after assisting for Lauren, I felt like I really had to be this whitewash planner. I needed to be prim and proper. I'm still in the state of Connecticut. So I thought that it I would be I wouldn't be received well if I hey girl hate insist people. So to see that that is not only being used, but people are attracted to that on the other side, it just, you know, kind of puts me in a little place for pause sometimes. I mean, I, I definitely understand that. I, I know that, especially, you know, when we were getting ready for a wedding MBA, the, the term, you know, oh, did you understand the assignment was being thrown around so much? And I'm like, well, do, do y'all understand the assignment? Like, where did you pick that up from? Where did you look? It's like when I'm talking to my teenage nieces and I try to talk like, you know, the rappers that they love right now. And they're like, um, auntie, just don't even do that. Like that, that's not who you are. So I feel like when, you know, it, when it's being thrown around and it just doesn't feel authentic, 
it, it, it comes off like it's cute to adapt that. But when it's authentic to a person and this is really the way they speak, it's taken negatively. So I, I think that, that that's been the really big issue for me. But Shona, do you think it's the language co-option that causes the frustration or the celebration of it when it's being said by non-Black people? Um, I think the celebration of it for me, like you said, when, when it's coming from us, it's like, oh my God, she's not educated or she's ghetto. But when it's someone else saying it, it's like, oh yeah, that's right, girl. Because, you know, we got the sauce and everybody wants the sauce, but mm-hmm. they don't want to be the person behind the sauce. So that's what the issue comes in with me. I agree with that. It brings me back to, I remember when you guys remember the Chappelle show. Um, I didn't watch, but okay. Girl, yes. I love the Chappelle <laughs> show. Dave Chappelle was so amazing. And he ended so abruptly. And I remember someone asking him, you know, why did you stop? And he said that he felt like white people were laughing at him and not with him. Hmm. And I that you know, that's something that really stuck with me because sometimes it feels like are you using it as a term of endearment or a term to relate to me to like level set? Or is it a joke to you? Because it's serious to us. This is when we greet each other as, hey, sis, hey, boo, how you doing? That's a term of endearment. And that's something that we've really embraced and you know loved on in this culture. So when it's taken and co-opted by another group of people, it's like, but do you understand, you know, the the history there? Do you understand the root of that word? Do you understand why we're saying it to each other? So, you know, I think that the maybe the lack of understanding on their part too. Yeah. Sometimes um, I do feel like it is a greeting for them to try to relate to us because they don't know where to go with it. And instead of a, just a regular, hey, how are you? It's right. good enough for me, you know? Right. But see, for me, you greeted me with hey sis I'm turned off let me, me let too. me pull out my notebook and tell you why I'm turned off because yeah, as, as descendants of slaves on this phone we call each other sisters and brothers because we don't know who we're actually related to we were traded in enslavement from plantation to plantation sold north south east and west so it was really terms of endearment that brought us together because we all are one family because we've suffered this trauma together. And we really actually don't know if you're a blood relative of ours or not. So sis is used because I don't know if Lauren and Deshona are actually my sisters or my cousins or just friends, but don't use a term when it's not, when it's not historically yours. Right. And it's rooted in trauma. I agree. And I think, you know, I've had conversations as as many people know, my husband is Irish and, you know, we've had a lot of conversations in our home about language and why we, you know, use some of the language, even some of the the customs that we, we share, like when we were growing up, I have so many cousins that are not my cousins, but, but culturally that's something that we've already always done. If there was a woman that was a friend of my mother, that was my aunt. You know, that, that is how I addressed her. And to this day, her kids are my cousins, even though we're not blood rel- relatives. So I feel like, you know, is it okay to feel this way? Do we own the language? Is it just maybe like a false sense of outrage? What do you think? You guys think it's okay that we feel this way? And do we own the language? 
I feel it's warranted for us to feel this way. And I do feel we own the language because we could just look we could just look at each other in a room and know what each other is thinking. So a lot of people uh, cultures don't have that. So yeah, I feel like we own it. We we absolutely own it because we we own the experiences we've gone through, you know, and heard of the trauma and the stories. And just to uh, elaborate on your cousin auntie point again on plantations, if your parent was sold off, now whomever that woman is, um, or if you were sold off and now you're at a different plantation, a woman will take you under her wing and make you her, you know, child or her niece or her nephew. So mm-hmm. those things are really rooted and, and have some historical context to them. So, yes, I have 52 cousins. And yes, me and Lauren are cousins five ways because <laughs> yeah. we know the same people. We have the same folks. So with and Shona, we'll figure out how we're cousins, too. So we can't leave you out. But um, <laughs> it's it's just it's ours. And I am not sure if it's a nod of acknowledgement or if it's just cop, cop, be cut and paste. Right. I agree. And I, I feel like um, when we're doing it, it's not hot. You know, it's not it's not the thing to do. Um, but when it's copy and pasted and all of a sudden it's taken off. It's, a good example is that of that is I remember when I, I was growing up and um, the hot boys came out with bling bling and we were all saying bling bling but the minute my mother started saying bling bling I was like mom please don't do that you know, because like she didn't understand it and then even when it crossed you know culture lines and color lines and it really became like well you are you fully embracing where that comes from are you immersed in the culture or is it just something that you thought was cute and do you understand the, the roots behind you know, the words that you're saying. So um, I think it's fair to say, like, you know, what are, what are we looking from, looking for from our, our white counterparts? Is it support? Is it understanding? Is it a appreciation of the culture? If, if you could say something that, you know, really uh, help them understand, what, what are we looking for from them? I'll, I'll go over to you first, Shona. Um, just show up as yourself. You don't have to show up as me, I guess, um, and try to assist me to death or understand the assignment or um, want to be like me. Just show up as you. I agree. I agree. And I think, too, I've, I've, that, that brings up a good point, Shona, because we are, we're, we're humans, you know, we're people, mm-hmm. we know how to uh, conduct ourselves in all veins, all walks of life. And when I'm first meeting anyone, I'm not going to walk into, especially a professional setting and just be like, Hey y'all, what up boo? You know, I'm, I'm going to walk in and I'm, I'm going to speak in a way that helps me figure out who's in the room and what, what the tone of the room is. You know, and then once you you get to know people, you develop a sense of comfort with them. I think that that may be my issue is that that sense of familiarity, that sense of comfort is missing. So when it's when I walk in the room and I'm confronted with, you know, this the language that I'm I'm used to saying and sharing in a really comfortable situation from people I don't know. And then who on top of that don't look like me. It's like, well, what, 
what did I walk into here? And is it because I'm the brown girl walking in the room that you feel like you have to switch up how you're speaking? I feel the same way, Lauren. Yeah. Kim, have you ever experienced that? Like, have you, have you ever experienced when you've walked into a room feeling like now the cadence or the, the way someone is speaking changed because of who you are? Absolutely, because I've done it. It's code switching. Everyone, you're supposed to, you know, survey and know your audience. And uh, I've done it because we live in a white world, so we have to do it. But I've come into places and spaces where we're all the way turned up with the hey girl, hey language. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's funny you say code switching because that was something I think I went through this entire like rebirth of myself in 2018. And I just had this moment where I said, I'm no longer code switching. I'm showing up in the words that I would use in my everyday life. I'm using those words. So when I come into a space and I know the people in that space don't talk to their other creative friends with the, the way that they're speaking to me, I always go, well, why are you cold switching to speak to me? Just, I'm going to speak the way that I speak. (laughs) Why don't you just talk? I just heard you talking to, you know, Tiffany over there and it was one way. So now I'm confused. Like who, who are you authentically? Which, which one am I meeting? Is this your representative or is this who you really are? Well, I think that circles back to, um, others not really knowing and understanding us and, um, just not knowing what to do, uncomfortable in it. I was recently watching this program on Netflix and it was about black actors and actresses in Hollywood and how um, Whoopi Goldberg referenced the fact that our entire lives as black people, we've had to study white people, but white people never study black people. Mm. So it's like, we know what to do. We know what to expect. We know what to anticipate from you, but you have no idea what to expect and anticipate from us. So now you're trying to figure it out, but that's not the proper way. Right. I agree with you, Laura. I'm Kim. Sorry. That's a good point. That's a really, really good point is that we are always hyper aware um, because we, this, this world, and I don't, you know, I don't want to make this heavy, a heavy political conversation, but this world is not designed for us or by us. It, it is designed, um, you know, we're, we're kind of born with the stack, the chips that chips stacked against us. So yeah, I, I, I do understand that for sure. And I think I've heard Whoopi say that in the past, you know, that we, we've never not had the luxury you know, we've never had the luxury of not studying white people or not understanding because we have to have a full appreciation for our surroundings at all time. We do. So, we are definitely the minority. Definitely. And our existence was, you know, the way we, you know, to, to be disciplined or not be disciplined on a plantation or in a home or in, you know, Jim, the Jim Crow era depended upon our behavior and our actions and assimilating to their culture. Mm-hmm. And also, too, when we do bring things to the forefront, oh, we're just angry Black women. Oh, it's a, it's a problem. We're still not listened to and respected. It's still an issue. It's like, oh, it's not a big deal. So 
we're always I mean, that, the things that's that we, a whole nother episode yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's always swept under the rug the things it we complain is. about so it is and I you know I have been saying that for years and I'll just I'll well that will be another episode guys so look out for that but um even in the medical world you know that's how I kind of proved it scientifically to people just when, when black women have historically said hey this is going on with me and been ignored and then a lot of times the Result of that has been death for those women. But yes. um, I think one thing that we should really touch on is we are so protective of it because it is our culture. This is not the latest cute city girls song. This is not the latest soundbite, but much of what we're saying, the way that we talk, for example, when I first moved down here to North Carolina in college, I dropped the ERs off of a lot of words, you know? So I had a friend who's Heather and I would say, oh, Heather, Heather. And she's like, Lauren, you always said my name with an A on the end. And I just, I never even realized that I was dropping the ER off of her name. I would say, hey, Heather, how you doing, girl? Um, but that is a way that, you know, just even dropping- you put that girl on it. Yeah, you put the girl on, you know? <laughs> But that that's culturally something that we do. Or, you know, there was a study with children in school, um, just use the way that we use the word be like, oh, he be over there. And when they would take that word out, the kids didn't recognize the sentence. They had a harder time identifying who he was because they took the B out. So really understanding African-American vernacular English and understanding that this is our culture. We've had to fight for our culture. We've had to fight to be able to pass it on generation to generation and, and hug it and love it. And so many of us are just now starting to really love it and love ourselves and what makes us uniquely um, unique in this world. And I think that's why I'm so protective of it is because it it the, the culture belongs to us. No, words don't belong to us, but the culture and the roots of a lot of the customs and things that we say and greetings and exchanges, those do belong to us. And if it is something that you want to say and that you want to be a part of, I think that the call on that person or the responsibility of that person who wants to speak this way is to also understand the culture and be for the culture and immerse themselves in it and not just be repeating what they heard on TV or what someone else said to them or, or what they thought was cute. So do you think it's a responsibility for if you are going to co-opt this language, if you're gonna look to be celebrated for it, is there a responsibility to also live it, you know, to walk it like you talk it? So, Ken, what do you think? Is there a responsibility for people who want to use this language and to um, be a part of the culture? Is it a is it a responsibility of them to also walk it like they talk it? So, if you want to use the vernacular, the language, really feel it you know, use it in your everyday conversation. It is your responsibility to um, explore the culture, have real relationships and friendships that are of people that belong to our culture and not just hijack it. One, you could be using it incorrectly and we're laughing at you. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. first, and secondly, 
it's just so disingenuous and anyone can smell can smell a fraud we all know when you just picked it up because it's the newest hashtag on instagram or because kim kardashian said it or because you know whomever said they said it on inside edition whatever mm-hmm. we all know that you just picked it up and for me if you really want to be a part of our culture you need to celebrate our creativity build great relationships with us if we're in um if we all if we both have a business we need to um, have business agreements and relationships and make money together if you really want to get to know me let's make some money together because I'll get to know you real quick with the way you move so you we have to you know have a foundation before you can just jump in and you know hijack hey, hijack right right our, yep. and hey girl, hey girl us right yeah yep and right yeah our yeah. our our language and uh, it's like one of the only things we've had the opportunity to hold on to mm-hmm. because we really can't trace our roots back out I, I mean our dna yeah sure but that's the only the the thread and the tide that binded us is that we'd be able to walk into a room have a conversation with anyone from anywhere um, and be able to, you know, identify the struggles and the vibe of the room and all of that, just with our language. And, and it's just really, you know, trippy when people jump in it and jump in the conversation and they don't have that, you know, they're not rooted in that. So right. um, build with us, get to know us as people. And then I can be my true self and you can be your true self. And then you'll be able to, you know, slap me, on my shoulder and say, girl, I hear mm-hmm. you. So, mm-hmm. so do that first. I agree. Shona, what do you think? What do you think? Do they, do they, is there a responsibility to build as Kim said, or as to, or to understand if you are choosing to use um, cultural specific language? Absolutely. I, I do. You need to know where it's coming from. You need to understand the roots behind it, not just hijack it because you see a brown girl and you think that's going to make you relate to her and where, where she's from or what you think she is. So absolutely. I agree. And I, you know, it reminds me of, do you remember when, was it the summer Olympics um, with Shikari Richardson and how she was, you know, she came on TV and I just, I loved when they put the mic in front of her mouth. She was authentically who she is. She said, I am that girl. And I'm here to remind them that I am that girl. And I felt like there was a collective eruption of celebration from especially black women around the world. Like, yes, girl, be you show up with your bamboo earrings and your nails that's right and your lace front yeah and your lace front run them races and of course you know unfortunately shikari is also bearing the weight of another topic we'll explore which is because she's the black girl the expectation for her is not the same as her white counterpart but that that's a topic we'll dig into another day but i just loved how she showed up she was who she was. She did not allow the venue to determine who she was. Um, and she wanted people to embrace her for exactly who Shikari was. So I feel like in that vein, how do we overcome the fear and continue to show up as ourselves, even as the culture is slowly every day trying to be chipped away from us and watered down and whitewashed? How do we overcome that fear and stand up and say, this is who we are. 
this is the way I speak. And you can relate to me on a human level before you try to relate to me on a personal level, because it is personal, the language that we use. So Kim, how do we overcome that fear? Well, first and foremost, it took a lot of courage um, for her to do that and stand in her truth. And um, I'm a bit older than Shikari. So I see that two ways. It, and the, the I was about to call them millennials, girl, the Gen Z's, they stand in that a lot differently than we do because uh, the internet and because our culture is so widely accepted now, they can really show up as themselves. But when I saw that, I said, she's really showing up as herself. Or the girl is really off her rocker because she know <laughs> daggone well. No white people is not checking for her and them nails and that hair and that lace front. I hope it don't fly off. All, <laughs> all of the things. So um, she really had to stand in that. And that's amazing because she doesn't have to put on airs. She doesn't have to, you know, change up the way she speaks. She can get in a room with a Nike representative and be herself and be authentic. Yeah. And um we haven't necessarily dug into that generations before, you know, the Gen Zers. They are themselves. They show up, you know, who they are. And like we all just spoke about, we have we had to code switch a lot because we know we need to be polished in a corporate setting. We need to be professional. We need to, you know, yes, man, you know, no, sir, all of the things and show up and be educated. And um, that's, you know, our burden to bear. But I, I love the fact that she was just fearless in that. And um she doesn't have to go somewhere and get in her car at night and, 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 you know, take off that mask and then be herself with her friends. It's very admirable. And um, for those that accept that, agree with it, rock with it, roll with it, just show love that she's able to, we live in a society that she's now able to do that. And 10 years ago, 20 years ago, she wouldn't even be able to be her authentic self. And um, we wouldn't have, you know, white girls putting on lace fronts. <laughs> true Shona how do you think we overcome the fear and just continue to show up as our authentic selves I just think be yourself and show up as yourself yeah the the new generation they are definitely special they're different mm -hmm. they're definitely they have no qualms about who they are they are the 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 person in the room they're not trying to get um so what I'm looking for acceptance from anyone. She didn't need acceptance from anyone. She just showed up. This is me. I'm about to run this race with these clothes on and that's it. So I like that for them because it gives, do you guys see that in your kids? Because I do. I see that in Evan a lot. I do. I, I see it in my kids for sure. You know, just them being who they are and that, that being embraced. I think you know, that, that I embrace it. I, I want my kids to be who they are. If my kid, if my son's into dinosaurs today and my daughter's into nails tomorrow, I want them to be into those things and just have that freedom to dream and walk whatever yes. walk um, of whoever they want to be. So I think that that's, you know, a beautiful point you both bring up is that this younger generation, they are standing up and saying, this is who I am. And this is the way I speak. This is the music I like. These are the clothes that I wear. And if you don't accept it, oh, well. And I think, you know, with entrepreneurship and all these different yes, avenues that they have. Yeah, you know, they get to create all of that stuff. So I think you that's got, beautiful. You have rich YouTubers playing with kids, playing with toys. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I think too, and it starts in household and in the home at this point, you know. 
We it raise does. our kids to be who they are and to be fierce and whatever they decide that they're going to be and always, always show up as themselves. Yeah. So I think that we can learn something from the kids, y'all. I think that we can um, use our platform to be that example. I know that you kind of get back what you put out. And the minute I started showing up as Lauren and changed the language on my website, changed the language on a lot of my collateral that went out to people, I started being surrounded by people who just aligned so much more with who I was and it was celebrated. The love was real. Any exchanges that we may have had, you know, it was authentic to who they were and it it was authentic to who I am. So I definitely encourage, you know, if you are someone who wants to celebrate the culture, someone who is enamored with it and really feels like this is who you are and this is how you express yourself, there's a responsibility on you to understand. Uh, there's a responsibility on you to legitimately throw your support and your platform behind that culture that you love so much. Because as we all know, even though we're not seeking acceptance, when our white counterparts stand up and say, no, this is this is what's up. This is cool. This is This is authentic. This is real. And they offer the benefit of their legitimacy to it, then we can really start to have a conversation about what it is. So I want to thank the ladies. Kim has to run and pick up her kids. Mommy life, like I told you guys last time, this is real life. We have kids. Um, And Miss Elena is in dance. So we're going to say goodbye to Kim and Shona. Thank you for joining me on today's episode. Uh, Shona, tell the people where they can find you. Well, I'm revamping everything. So currently I'm still under my old information, Sassy Girl Creations, but be on the lookout for the new launch for my new brand, Shona Chanel Events. Hey. Um, <laughs> We're going to be on and popping soon. Absolutely. Yeah. All, all of it. All of it. All oh, that. I have, I have one more thing to add, Lauren, and I don't know please, if you can back in the middle of it. But my, my only, my last point is, and if you don't feel an affinity for our culture, and you don't want to use the words, but you feel obligated to because it's cool and it's hip and all of the things and it's trendy, don't use it. Be authentic to yourself as well. You do not have to jump on a bandwagon if you don't feel that soul because it takes a lot of soul to be us. Mm-hmm. So you don't feel it because we can smell it. If you don't feel it, then don't be it. And serve yourself and serve your customer and ser- and be the person you are because we all are fearfully and wonderfully made y'all we're gonna add some scripture on this amen (laughs) and and just be yourself and and you'll find your tribe that that that's absolutely true and i mean that that'll be a whole nother episode that we have to touch on about um being your authentic self in that way so we we will dig into that um like we said kim has a new website so kim let the people know where they can find you I am now at Curated by Kim Weddings and Events, serving the tri-state area and the tri-state area for you for you folks who don't know. It's Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey. You, I also can be flewed out. Hey. My Miami voice to anywhere yes. you need me to be. <laughs> <laughs> Period. Period. Because sis likes to be flewed out. Amen. So, all, all of the, I, I'm everywhere. So um, that's why I am on Instagram. I'm Curated by 
Kim Weddings on Facebook. I'm curated by Kim Weddings. And um, yeah, that's me. Yes, we same here. You know, if you would like to flew us all out, we will show up and show out. So thank you, ladies, for joining. If you didn't catch all of their social medias and all of that, we'll put them in the show notes so you all can follow and support my girls. I'd love for any questions or topics that you may have that you want me, you know, or me, Kim and Shona to explore drop us a line in your review of the show because I know y'all gonna give us five stars in your review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, and we will be sure to respond in a future episode. As always, as always, as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting Heavy On Women of Color podcast and we will catch y'all next time. Hey,